0: Hello, friends. This is Dave Pasqualone with the Remarkable People Podcast. Season 1, Episode 8, the Christmas special with our very special guest, the Remarkable, the Enchanting, the Wise, Guy Kawasaki. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out.
1: remarkable people podcast
0: listen do repeat for life thanks for being here today guy
1: thank you thank you what a great name for a podcast i know right <laughs> have you ever heard that before no 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 <laughs> i should i should be inspired by it like <laughs> i know
0: right great minds think alike I guess we'll get so. into that in just a second, I want you to be able to tell the story. We'll tag to oh, you. Yeah, it. that's
1: a great story.
0: All right. So for our listeners, some of you are very familiar with Guy Kawasaki, and some of you have not heard of Guy. Not because he's not internationally famous, but it's just not your world. So as a quick summary, we're going to derail from the normal format of the show, and we're going to go ahead and kind of abbreviate. Instead of doing the past, the present, and the future... We're going to breeze through the past because Guy Kawasaki has a huge body of work, as you're about to hear. He has countless interview books, tons of literature you can read and watch on his background. But this is a man who was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, went to Stanford and UCLA, got a start as a jeweler where he claims all his skills from sales came from, went to work for a software company. Through great nepotism, got a job at Apple where he earned his keep. And then the rest is history. Fifteen books, textbooks for prestigious academic institutions. He's a bestseller in the Wall Street Journal and New York Times. He's a sought-after public speaker who, I'm not sure how he does this, but he speaks over 50 times per year. He has online training courses, blog articles, countless interviews. I'm tired
1: already. <laughs> just, I know, right? just listen
0: to I'm getting tired. I just want people to know who you are. <laughs> and he has a fantastic new podcast called Guy Kawasaki's Remarkable People. And most of all, what I am impressed is he's a sincerely great human. Um, he's been married for over 30 years. He's got two sons, natural, a daughter and a son that were adopted, all for his kids. And he is a great leader, and I consider him a friend. So, Guy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you mu- very much for that introduction, too. It, like, I didn't know I did all that.
0: Yeah, you did. <laughs> I swear I stalked you. <laughs> no. no, so... I'm going to give a quick start, then you take over the story, and then I'll give my side again. So basically, for a few years, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. This year, I got serious about it, started moving forward, and launched back in August. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting down at my computer working away, and I get this email, which I thought
1: was fake at first. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? Take over from there, guy. Okay, so uh, I to go back, you know, for the whole story. My latest book is called Wise Guy, in which I tell stories about my life. You know, the wisdom that I learned over the course of my life. So, as the author of Wise Guy, I was interviewed many, many times by podcasters. So I got to talking to some of them about. You know, how many subscribers, how often they do it, how they sell ads, how much they make for the ads, and all that. And my God, it's a lucrative business. So I thought, geez, you know, why am I writing? I should podcast too. So then the, the most logical name for my podcast would be something like Wise Guy, but then I didn't want it to be about me per se. So I thought, okay, so I'll call it, you know, Wisdom of Remarkable People because. Many, many years ago, I I wrote a book called Hindsights, The Wisdom of Remarkable People. I thought, oh, Wisdom of Remarkable People, that works. And so I tested it with a lot of friends. And then of all people, one of my friends who's a lawyer said, well, why do you have wisdom of? Why don't you just say Remarkable People? And I said, you know, you're right. That is a much better name, Remarkable People. Two words, it explains what it is, right? So I was so happy with that name I never really searched Apple Podcasts or any place else. I just said, that's a great name. I'll just name it Remarkable People. And then then one day I was sitting with someone as they were trying to subscribe and they type in Remarkable People and up comes yours. And I said, oh, my God, I never thought of that. Maybe I should search for the name. And it was, you know, the Remarkable People Podcast. And I thought, okay, so you know, I'll call it Guy Kawasaki's Remarkable People. And then I did some research and I figured out, you know, you, you really can't trademark a book name or a podcast. You can have identical names and you know that's just the way it is in the law. I don't know why. So, you know, if you ever doubt me, go on Amazon, type in the word love and you'll see how many books are named love. Anyway, so, so now I have this problem. Okay, so I didn't copy you because I didn't know you existed. So, So I'm thinking, okay, so I'll call a guy, called Saki, remarkable people. I asked my friends, they say, yeah, that's different enough. They're not going to do anything and all that. But I said, still, you know, I don't want to look cheesy, even though I wasn't (laughs) cheesy. So, you know, the high road is why don't I contact him? And he may say, you know, I'm going to take you to the Supreme Court. Or he may say, I don't care. And in the meantime, I'm thinking, well, people are going to go search for my podcasts using the word remarkable people and they're going to find both of us so maybe he'll get more subscribers because of that confusion so you know typically someone doesn't copy someone in order to help the other person if you know what i mean so
0: yeah, fair enough fair enough you have three and a half million linkedin subscribers yeah. alone i have three thousand
1: yeah, you know the first three thousand are the hardest anyway yeah. so so then i thought okay let's just take the high road and then you know Obviously, we kind of got along, and I said, you know, I want to take the high road. I mean, if you're going to get really upset, I don't really know if you can do anything about it, but I just want to open up the conversation because, you know, this is how wars start, right? Someone assumes something about somebody else and blah, blah, blah. And so you came back with a perfectly reasonable response, and then so I thought, okay, he's reasonable. I'll be reasonable, and like, let's just live happily ever after. Then I said, well, why don't I appear in your podcast?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm very thankful. <laughs> I mean, hey, every you always say there are no accidents. Yeah, so, I guess. Yeah. So this worked out. The honest truth is I feel exactly like I did. How we expressed it is he's a great human. And I'm not saying this because he's famous or he's on my show. I mean it. Just with the few interactions we've had, I've learned so much from him. He's an ethical man. He's a doer. He has a why, why wait attitude. Let's do this. The sooner the better you know, why decide for three weeks? Let's act now. He cares about his reputation. He cares about helping others succeed. He sent me information on podcasting and equipment to use, which hasn't come in yet, but the next episode will have it.
1: What did you order?
0: I ordered the mic. So that's coming in and some of the other equipment. So thank you very much. Yep. Hopefully, we'll get rid of this nasty echo. <laughs> to you as a listener, thank you for your bearing. But I really appreciate your friendship. And the first time I ever heard of you was in 2013. And he spoke for Express Employment Professionals at that time. And my good friend, Charlie Bockwith owns the local agency. Great guy. And he's like, Dave, why don't you come down and listen? And I'm like, Who's Guy Kawasaki? (laughs) Back then, I didn't know who you were. So I heard four or five speakers that day. And hands down, you are the best. I mean, you gave me practical advice. You put things we can apply. You're funny. I still remember you talking about Apple and how you get lost with the maps. Your sons, how they wouldn't send you pictures of your uh, LG washer and dryer. (laughs) I remember a lot from that day. And when it ends... I'm not a let's go up and get an autograph guy. But I was with people. They wanted to see you. So we're like, all right, let's go. So we stand in line. We got these books. And you're signing them. And that was just me and this girl who was left. Nobody else wanted to continue in the line because it was so huge. to meet you. Well, I thought, we're going to pull a litmus test here. This be like, <laughs> because this girl I was with is the sweetest girl in the world, but she was smoking hot. And I was like, I want to see if Guy Kawasaki is the real deal or like Clinton and just going to give her a wink and forget about me. And sure enough, you're a perfect gentleman. Talk to her, me, everybody else, exactly the same. <laughs> Signed our books. And I asked you the question that day that we're going to end this episode with. I said, who would you stand in line to meet? So that, be thinking about that in your subconscious. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> All right. I'm glad I passed your test. I didn't even know I was in the test.
0: Yeah, man. I wouldn't have brought it up if you failed. <laughs>
1: but tell your wife she can listen to this episode. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, right?
0: So actually, let's start there. Most people, it's life scalable. It's whether you build a shed, a house, or a mansion, it's the same foundational principles, just at a different scale. hmm we work maybe in a middle class. You work at the elite level, but we all have families and life to balance. How are you traveling the world, have children, a wife, and keep a balance? You've been married 30 plus years, right?
1: Yeah, yeah I'm I'm on Wife 1.0 still. So. That is awesome. <laughs> if
0: I had a applause button, I'd be pushing right now. So how how do you balance family
1: and and career? First of all, you're assuming that I do. Um, Well, that's true. You're still smiling. (laughs) You're still married. I'm not seeing divorce headlines. Nope, nope. So first of all, my four children are just the center of my universe. And so a couple, you know, pragmatic things. First of all, when I travel, it's very typical for me to fly out the last flight of the day, though not necessarily red eye because red eye is too iffy. So I fly out the last flight of the day, I get to the city you know, at 10, 11 o'clock. I sleep, I wake up, I speak, and I leave on the first possible flight. So sometimes I'm gone for less than 24 hours, even though I went across the country. I've done things like I've spoken in Russia and I was in Russia for eight hours so I could get back fast enough. So that that's one. Second, when I'm in town, I am not going to an office. I don't have, an, you know, a, a regular 60-hour a week day job to go to and then I go and travel. So I'm home. And when I'm home, I, you know, drop them off, pick them up, do whatever. Now, I can't tell you when I'm at home that I'm like, you know, playing board games and cooking meals for them. <laughs> but I am in the house and you know, I have an amazing wife. So I think that behind every successful man is an amazing woman. So I have an amazing woman behind me. And yeah, that's all it takes. That's, quote, all it takes. (laughs) That's
0: all it takes, yeah. Now, how long have you married again?
1: Since 86.
0: Wow. Yeah. Very good. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about your kids. You Uh, have four kids?
1: Yeah, four kids. Two are out of college. One is going to enter college next year, and another one's going to enter high school next year. So, yeah, we're all surfers, that matters and uh, yeah, we have a great time together. One of my pro- not one of my my greatest pleasure in life is to be surfing with my children. By far, nothing even close. No car, no house, no, you know, VIP whatever, nothing. No sporting event that I, you know, as a spectator, nothing, nothing comes close.
0: That's so good. And then you have the two in high school and the two that are in college.
1: I've see them all. They're all out of college? Yeah. The two are out of college. One is almost out of high school and one is almost out of intermediate school.
0: Nice. Very nice. When you're working
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you have the balance of you are an evangelist for Canva and Mercedes and all these other companies, what role are you actively playing today with those companies? Because, I mean, Canva itself is a unicorn. Yeah. That's just amazing. That's <laughs> So how much time are you investing in those companies? And then we're going to get to the future of the podcast and what you have planned. Yeah.
1: So Canva is doing extremely well. In the month of October, Canva made 139 million images. So that's like four or five million images per day. Now, I have the concept called Guy's Golden Touch. And Guy's Golden Touch is not whatever I touch turns to gold. Guy's Golden Touch is... Whatever his gold guy touches. Yeah. <laughs> and so believe me, I'm going to declare victory with Canva. But really, the success of Canva is because of the people in the Philippines and Sydney and China. They just work so hard. They just relentlessly perf- pursue perfection. So I'm the evangelist for the company, which means totally outward focused. You know, wh- wherever I speak, I, I, I promote Canva Now, when you make a keynote speech, you know, people are not paying you to come and promote your own company. They're coming in for content, but I always slip a little promotion in there at the end. And so it's that, and it's being visible. Mercedes-Benz, I'm one of the few people in the world who get paid to drive a Mercedes, even though I'm not a Formula One driver. (laughs) And this podcasting thing, I've only had two episodes, so I've only been doing it for a couple months and the first episode was Jane Goodall. Second episode was Phil Zimbardo, Stanford professor. Third episode will be Stephen Wolfram, a physicist. The fourth episode will be Margaret Atwood, the author of The Handmaid's Tale. So, okay, wow. yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of people that I've been fortunate enough to get so far.
0: Okay, let's talk about that. The cover of your podcast—it's a really great picture. Talk <laughs>
1: about the significance of it. Yeah. So. Um, Somehow, just by the grace of God, I've become friends with Jane Goodall. And so I have interviewed her on stage. And when she was in San Francisco a couple months ago, I interviewed her at the event.
0: And for the listeners, describe who Jane Goodall oh, is. Oh, Jane some Goodall. Don't know. I mean,
1: Jane Goodall is the person who you know, lived in Africa, befriended the chimpanzees, figured out the chimpanzees have personalities, they use tools. National Geographic has done specials about her. I mean, yeah, if you're into anything about ecology or biology, you know Jane Goodall.
0: Exactly. And the cover is her, and I don't want to say it's wrong, but it looks like she's touching your head like a monkey picking up fleas.
1: Yeah, she's looking for lice in my hair, just like (laughs) chimpanzees groom each other. So that's great. Yeah, so that's, I figured for my first episode, who could be more remarkable than Jane Goodall? I mean, seriously, right? So,
0: She's definitely a remarkable woman, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So now, why a podcast? We're kind of jumping ahead. There's no script to this podcast. So why why a podcast for you? I know you mentioned it's an awesome opportunity. Why write books when you can talk to your friends? Yeah. But what is your heart? Like, where do you want to see this going? If we do a follow-up interview in a year, what would just be like tickle you?
1: I want to be the male Japanese... Terry Gross. A male Japanese Terry Gross? How's that? That sounds
0: good. Everybody sounds, needs that sounds, goals. Sounds... That's my goal. That's your goal. Since righty. she
1: would never let me on a show, I'm going to be her. All right. All
0: right. <laughs> we got that. And how many listeners and subscribers that going to take for your goal?
1: I have no idea. I'll let you know if I get there.
0: <laughs> you'll get there. All right. We'll do a follow-up. We'll do a
1: follow-up. I literally have not. Probably millions.
0: Millions. Well, you'll get there. Yeah. I know. Quite the follow <laughs> So I personally believe, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that all men are equal. I think we all have different skill sets, different abilities, different life situations. You can take two great people who are absolutely equal and they have two absolutely different lives because the circumstances surround them. That's what I believe. Do you believe that as well?
1: Yes. You know, The the difference between me and some homeless guy is not that much, man. a, A lot of it is being in the right place at the right time your parents probably are 90% of it. I I also believe that you know you know how some people you can tell that they just feel superior to everybody. Yes. You know, they feel superior to the waiter or the waitress or the elementary school teacher or the you know, mm. the high school coach or the flight attendant. You know, you just catch that attitude that they think that somehow they're above it all. But my observation is that you can learn something from everybody. Everybody does something better than you. Now, it may not be, you know, shooting a basketball, but it may be how to make a, a, a better casserole, or it could be how to make a better free throw, or it could be, you know, somebody who you'd say, oh, you know, they, they're doing manual labor. Well, that person is the world's greatest longboard surfer. I mean, you just never know. Everybody can teach you something.
0: I I agree completely. Well, f- for you, I think a lot of people are disillusioned because I'm, I'm again. I, I believe in God, and I am accountable for everything I say. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this to give you a fat head, but I really <laughs> think you're a great guy, <laughs> and all the interactions we've had have been stellar. But I don't see you as different than other successful people or quote-unquote average people in a lot of ways. And I think there's a misperception that when people are looking up, they think, oh, this guy must read 10,000 books a year. He never watches TV. He's always in business meetings, working 80 hours a week. So what's the truth? What's your habit? What's (laughs) your life look like? And I know surfing's involved. I
1: hate to burst your bubble. Basically... I'm 65 years old, and you know I take a break from surfing to work, <laughs> as opposed to take a break from work to surf. And so, you know, I'm just not a high maintenance kind of guy. I just, I you know, I, I get up in the morning. Sometimes I make my kid breakfast. Sometimes I don't. And then I take them to school. And then I go to a coffee shop and I order one cup of coffee and an avocado toast and I answer email and do social media and podcasting for three hours. And, and then I go eat again because I get hungry all the time. And then I go back and I answer email and do podcasting for another three hours. And then I, you know, then I go home and then we eat or something like that. And then I do another three hours of email and podcasting. I don't, you know, I don't, For the outside looking in, you wouldn't say, oh, my God, you know, that's like another Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. I'm not. I'm not in their class. But, you know, I know I'm not in their class, but I could teach them something, too. So
0: Absolutely. We all can, just like you said earlier. And, I mean, I've never met Steve Jobs, and I know he's passed away. But from what I've read from his own writings, he's not somebody I'd want to hang out with where you
1: are. well. Be careful what you ask for. But, you know, I, I have to say, you know, all the stories you hear, you read, you see, all that stuff, it's kind of true about Steve. He was a tough guy, tough to get along with, extremely demanding, etc., etc. But you know what? He could back it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of people who are just plain old jerks and you wouldn't want to spend a lot of time with them and all. And, they, you know, they have this, like, very lofty self-image. But... They don't have the part about being the visionary and, you know, predicting and inventing the future. So, I mean, in a perfect world, I guess, you know, Steve Jobs would have been a hell of a nice guy, too. But I don't know which came first, you know. So is it because you're so focused that you appear to be, you know, apolite or impolite or, you know, whatever, callous or whatever? So because of that focus, you became great or were you great? And because you're great, people put up with the stuff you do. I don't know which comes first.
0: That's one of my next questions was, do you believe that most remarkable people are misunderstood? Like the truly elite and great, they seem like they're just different the way they march.
1: You know, I guess it depends really on each person. So, you know, let's say if you took a... You you hear these stories about musicians or or athletes, athletes, you know, and stuff, and and they have these demands that you know they have their posse and they need blue mms, blue mms in the speaker ready room, and <laughs> their 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 uh, room has to face the south, and they need at least a twenty five foot limo, and you know all this kind of stuff, and they won't autograph for people, you know, all that kind of stuff, but. Listen, I've so far, I've interviewed about 10 people, uh, all of them remarkable. Now, now I don't want people to get the impression that my podcast is famous people. It's remarkable people. So right now, I'm on the fame street, but pretty soon you're going to get interviews of people you never heard of or fewer people have heard of. And so my observation so far is the more remarkable you are, the more humble you are. Like, you know, there's no way that Jane Goodall takes herself too serious or Margaret Atwood (laughs) or Phil Zimbardo or Stephen Wolfram. Now, they may have the right to take themselves serious, but, you know, they're not. They're not like that so far. And I hope somebody's saying that about me.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. That's and that's good to know. Now, what about a topic you just brought up earlier? You said was Steve Jobs the way he was before, and was tolerated, or did that make him? Because I've heard I heard you say in an interview that money corrupts people, and I've heard many people say that. Yeah, but I've always had the. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm asking you the <laughs> question. Yeah. I've always had the leading or insight that money reveals who you are more than it corrupts you. What do you think about uh, that's that?
1: That's an interesting theory. I don't know how you test that, right, scientifically, because...
0: we got to ask your friend who did the uh, Stanford prison
1: experiment. But you know what? He, even he said that wasn't science. Because with science, you have a, you know a hypothesis that you're testing and you also have a control, right? So the nature of an experiment is you try to control every variable. So you'd need to set up an experiment where you took identical people with identical qualifications, identical capabilities, identical opportunities, and you see like which one came out the jerk and which one didn't, just changing one variable. Well, you can't do that kind of experiment. So I I don't know the answer to that question.
0: Yeah, I know there's a saying that love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money's evil, but the love of it. So it could be our our loves can change. Our desires can change. So maybe that's what brings out the evil.
1: And then you know, I also, it's we're going down a rat hole of objectivity and science. So now it could be that because of who I am, you know, somewhat famous, that I am treated specially by these people. Whereas if I were just, you know, some service guy or something like that. They might not treat me, so I'm seeing them on their best behavior. I don't know how they treat other people. I don't know how they treat me, right? But like you know, like you said, the litmus test was what I did when it was you and that girl in line, right? I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you passed. Okay, again. yeah, thank you. That means, hey, to me and to our listeners. You- Character means more than any kind of credential. Mm-hmm. And that to me is we're not going to die and God's going to be impressed with how much money we have. Yeah. He's going to be impressed with who we are and how we treat other people and how much we love him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know where you are politically, but a lot of people should be concerned about what God thinks at the end of their life.
0: Oh, yeah. You know what? I am game for politics because people say don't talk about politics and religion. And those are the two most important things in the world. <laughs> but we won't waste the time of this episode okay. on politics. Okay. So. And I think that might that might be the one thing we've talked about so far that I think we're different. So okay. you're not a big Trump you're not a big Trump fan, right? Nope. <laughs> nope. Who who you support on this next election so far?
1: Oh God, i you know the Democrats have to sort themselves out, right? But yeah. Are are you a big Trump supporter?
0: Okay. I respect Donald Trump. I voted for Donald Trump, and I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, but I'm not a party guy. I don't think either party is in the best interest of the nation. I believe we're a republic, and we got lied to and told we're a democracy, and now we live like socialists. (laughs) And I don't care who gets in position of leadership. They could quickly take this country to a bad place. Yeah. So that's my political stance.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know if it's literally true anymore, but it's a free country. You're entitled to your beliefs as much as I am, so you know, yeah, I don't begrudge you Why? uh
0: ma'am my best one of my best friends since childhood, we are so similar in every aspect, but when it comes to politics, you think we were about to end in a fist fight, <laughs> but we're really just talking, man, it's free country, free will, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he, if I die, he takes care of my kids. that's how close we are, yeah, yeah. I just know I'm talking to him about politics.
1: <laughs> he's going he's gonna to have him registered as Democrats.
0: Yeah, right. You're going to take me surfing. I'm going to sink like a rock, and he's going to raise my kids. <laughs> On that note, let's take this opportunity to thank today's sponsors. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dave Pasqualone, host of the Remarkable People podcast, and I am excited to introduce you to today's sponsor. The episode you're about to listen to is brought to us by Pam Heinold, realtor and broker associate with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, Pensacola, Florida. When my wife and I moved to Pensacola years ago, we were looking for a qualified real estate professional to help us find our new home. We had two kids, a new career, and not a lot of time. And having moved eight times in 10 years all over the country, We've experienced many, many realtors buying and selling homes at this point. So after moving to Pensacola and interviewing several agents, it was clear to both of us that Pam was the right choice. Her experience, credentials, knowledge, and skills truly are remarkable. And because of that, she's a top producer in the area year after year. Now, I understand that you only care about your home and what makes your life special and great, but that's just it. What makes Pam special is her ability to listen to you, understand what you want, and find you exactly what you're looking for so you have that greatness. If you're somewhere in the world right now looking for a primary residence, a vacation home, a rental investment, or anything else, call Pam. She can help you. She's easy to work with and she'll help you find your dream home or even just a cool place to come and visit a couple times a year. You can surf paddleboard, kayak, swim with the dolphins, parasail, whatever you can think of, we have it down here in the beautiful Pensacola Bay area. So check out pamheinal.com. That's P-A-M-H-E-I-N-O-L-D.com or call her office at 850-232-2332. And when you call, make sure you tell her Dave said hi. Speaking about a beautiful home, what's a house without love? You just heard him continue to hear Guy Kawasaki's story about what brings him the most happiness in life his family. Coming from a man who travels the world, has insane resources and connections, and has experienced pretty much everything life has to offer, listen to what he's saying. Family changes everything. And that's the exact philosophy of today's sponsor, Bethany Christian Services. With nearly half of all pregnancies in the United States unplanned, people are often confused, scared, or don't know where to turn. Please, know you're not alone. Since 1944, Bethany Christian Services has been bringing families together by providing free and confidential expert support to people facing an unplanned pregnancy and by helping men and women adopt incredible children, both domestically and internationally. Bethany's professionally trained pregnancy counselors are available 24 hours a day to help expecting mothers and couples work through their adoption options and put together a pregnancy plan that benefits everyone, especially the child's. So whether you're pregnant and trying to decide between raising your child or making an adoption plan, if you've been struggling with infertility and would love a child to raise as your own, or if you're looking to share your existing loving home and family with another amazing child, give Bethany a call. In this episode alone, Guy Kawasaki, Steve Jobs, and I, what do we all have in common? Unplanned pregnancy and adoption. Steve was adopted, and he was used to shape the technological world we live in today. You're listening to a podcast, probably through an Apple podcast. My unwed mom? Thankfully, she chose not to abort me, even though tons of people told her to, or to put me up for adoption. You're hearing my voice today. And Guy and his wife Beth, they literally changed two amazing kids' lives by enhancing their own family and are now sharing their remarkable story with us today. And what's most important and fulfilling to Guy is children. And not just his natural born ones, but his children through adoption as well. Because being a mom or dad isn't just about birthing a child. It's about loving them and raising them and being there for them. So please, if you're pregnant and not 100% sure of what to do, if you've been thinking about adoption and want to learn more, or if you're ready to adopt and make a child's life more remarkable and special than you could ever imagine, contact Bethany today. You can reach them 24 7, 365 on their website at bethany.org. That's B E T H A N Y dot O R G. Or you can call them directly at 1 800. Bethany. That's right. That's one 238 4269 And like Guy and I, no matter which political side you're on, be on the side of family and get involved in adoption. And what better place to start than through Bethany Christian Services. Now, let's get back to the show. So, what's the best advice you've ever received? Something somebody's told you that Prior, if you got it years ago, man, it would have made your life so much better.
1: Oh well, guy's so old, I forget all the advice I got. Uh, <laughs> Just <laughs> one. Well, my father definitely impressed upon me the fact that the, of the concept of noblesse oblige, which is, you know, if you're lucky, you have a moral obligation to help others. You know, you. And so I, I really, really firmly believe that. And what's the term you use? Noblesse oblige. It's like the obligations of the nobility, or something like that. So nice. Not that I'm saying I'm noble or nobility, but I, that's the concept that you know. If you're luck if you're if you're blessed, you owe it. You owe it back.
0: Agreed. Too much is given. Much is required. <laughs> Spider Man didn't say that. All right. What about the single greatest lesson you've ever learned through experience?
1: Uh, don't quit Apple. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brings up another question. <laughs> the, actually, that is really a question. I have five pages of notes. Oh, and really? I'm just saying this is just scratching the surface. So I've heard you say on several podcasts, that you equated leaving Apple and passing up other opportunities to about $2.3 billion conservatively. And this is my question to you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, sorry to bring up. I (laughs) won't pour any more salt. No, this is my question. When I was a teenager, I was the happiest of my friends because I didn't date anybody. Okay. I just did my thing and had fun with my friends. Okay. And I'd watch people break up And then get back together and it always turned out worse than it started. Yeah. And as I became an adult and worked for several companies and consulted, I can't think of one employee who left or was let go and came back and it turned out to be a positive thing because usually you leave a company for a reason. Yeah. So with Apple, do you really regret leaving other than the money? Well, that's a big other. <laughs> how much? I mean, how much do you need? But I mean, how much do you want?
1: Uh, you know, I, you can never get too many surfboards, okay? But, <laughs> but other than the money, no, honestly, um, I listen. If I had not left Apple, I certainly would not have tried to start companies. My my the life my life path would be very different and mm-hmm. if i had not left apple you know i might be this total smug kind of egomaniac self whatever self-centered whatever right using
0: a laptop with two usb ports that's
1: right using a laptop with two usb ports <laughs> but my my personal assistants personal assistant would make sure everything was set up <laughs> so Yeah, you know. I mean, first of all, you can't go back and change that. So why, you know, why think about it? But (laughs) you know, two point five on several podcasts. uh, You know, two point five billion bucks. It's hard to forget that. I mean, honestly. So, uh,
0: but other than the money, you can sleep well at night.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I do.
0: (laughs) Good, good. Well, think about that aspect.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I mean, not to be macabre or anything, but I'm alive and Steve Jobs isn't.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean. High stress, illness, you know, when you're at ease, you're good. When you're at dis ease, you get disease.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe God needed him right away.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> I want to go there. But, well, that's another episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, I mean, listen, God loves everybody and he doesn't want anybody to be in bad places. But uh,
1: probably Steve is telling God what to do right now. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think that would go well. (laughs) All right. Well actually that brings up another good question. Yeah. So I have five categories. I was gonna make like a Jeopardy board for this, but I brought up the walking I'm sorry, the wise guy Kawasaki and The Walking Dead, Plan B, Know It All Employees, The Law of the Lid, and The Big Break. One of those was regarding what you just mentioned, difficult bosses, the law of the lid. So you want to hit one of those questions?
1: What? Wait, what? So what's the question?
0: So this is the question. You know, John Maxwell uses a term, the law of the lid, and it's a concept that everybody phrases in their own way.
1: The law of the lid?
0: Yes. Meaning you can only go as high as your leader. So if you have a team with the most talented people in the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. they hit that ceiling. There's nowhere else okay, to go. Okay, okay. So a lot of people refer to it different ways. That's just John Maxwell's term. Okay. So Steve Jobs was a visionary and he pursued the future and formed the future. Yeah. But what would you say, because as listeners now who are in a position where they have the talent, they have the ability – and they're stuck in a position with status quo being okay, poor leadership, poor vision. Yeah. What advice would you give those people who are of all the town in the world, but are stuck under that leadership?
1: Quit. Quit. All right.
0: <laughs> you know, and then that brings us up
1: well, to the next point. Okay. Well, so, th- you know, that's kind of a off the cuff answer, but.
0: Now some people though live paycheck to paycheck, but I think if you bridge that idea, I don't disagree.
1: Yeah, so it's yeah, it's also easy for me to say. So I, I think that well, there's several strategies. One is. The problem is, you know, you're you're discussing this bad case and it's unlikely you're going to pull the guy or gal aside and say, listen, you know, we got a blah, blah, blah. And they're going to say, oh, yeah, you're right. Let's do it. I've never heard of that happening either, right?
0: Mm -hmm. So. That was my question before, the know-it-all employee.
1: Yeah, yeah. So some of it is you just got to look at history and say, well, you know, do you want to be Kodak or do you want to be Apple? Because Kodak or. Smith Corona, Remington Randall's typewriter companies, they could be Apple today, but no, you know, they decided they're in the typewriter business, not the communication business, not the information business. So some of it is maybe fear will work to illustrate like, you know, companies disappear when they don't jump to the next curve. So that's one. Another is uh, ask for forgiveness, not permission, and just go do it and then show up one day with the thing that saves the company. That can work. Or, I mean, seriously, there is, you know, I got all this expertise from this company. I, I, these customers are telling us that we need this. Our company is not interested. So we left and we started, you know, X, Y, Z. Wow, that works too. So I, I don't think there's any single path to, to success. It could be a bunch of different ways.
0: All right. Well, let me ask you the next question. Let's talk about Guy Kawasaki, the wise Guy Kawasaki. On the big break. And what I mean by this is there's so many talented, intelligent people out there yeah. who have not just – they don't have an Ivy League degree. They don't even have a college degree, but they're so talented and good at what they do. Yeah. What do you have in regards to advice for the stars out there listening right now to this podcast who know they can see it at a Fortune 100 company – but don't have the nepotism to get that connection. How do they get their foot in the door? Or is it like the Detroit Lions and the Miami Dolphins? It's going to take a miracle to get to the Super Bowl.
1: Well, when you say foot in the door, foot in whose door?
0: Okay, so there's a company that's massive, like Boston Consulting Group or Apple or any kind of large corporation. Yeah. And they want to work there. They know they can do the job. They've been successful at small companies, but they know they can scale it to the multi-billion. Yeah. How do they get their foot in the door?
1: I think the most effective method is to, well, the, the I think mathematically the front door, you know, the HR, click on this to apply. The probability of that is pretty low. So I think what is key is you find somebody inside the company or knows people inside the company who tell your story for you. And that's your venture capital or going to work for a company. The front door isn't going to work, the HR door, the recruiting door. So you need to find somebody who works in the company or somebody who knows somebody at the company. I think it's all word of mouth. I don't think it's. Uh... And also, don't underestimate nepotism. That's how I got my job at Apple It's pure nepotism. <laughs> I oh, went absolutely. To, I went to school with the guy, so.
0: But you had the skills to keep it, but getting in the door was your buddy.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. So, you know, one thing, if you get in the door, don't be feeling guilty about using nepotism or whatever. Because the day after you get in, nobody cares how you got in. You either deliver or you don't. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's kind of the, the reverse case where you're totally qualified, right? You have... Ph.D. in computer science, MBA from Harvard Business School. You know you work for ten years in the industry. You are the most perfect candidate ever, and so you think, "Oh, I'm the most perfect candidate. The waters are going to part for me." I don't think so. I mean, you may have gotten in that way, but you know, the next day you're dog meat just like everybody else.
0: Yep, it's that's funny. Very true.
1: So let's say
0: you're part of an organization. And there is – you're seeing the writing on the wall, so to speak. It's going down. Yeah. You've done everything you can to turn the ship or to help turn the ship. What's your philosophy? How long do you stay? How long do you bail out the boat? And how long do you say? Oh,
1: boy. You know, the answer to that question is I don't know. If I had exactly. stuck it out at Apple two more times or either of those two times, <laughs> you know, it would be a different world. Like – you know, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but I don't think I'm a stupid person. And so not being a stupid person and yet I quit Apple twice, you know, would you think, oh, Guy Kawasaki should have foreseen that Apple would be a trillion dollar company? I don't think so. If, if you know, if I thought that, guess what? I wouldn't have quit. Duh. I, so the question is, you know, do you stay too long or do you quit too early?
0: It's like investing. Do you sell or buy? Yeah,
1: exactly. And you know what? The only thing I can say is if you if you do either of those two things and succeed, you get to reinvent history. And you say, of course, I knew Apple would be successful. <laughs> and if you quit and you start something successful, you say, of course, I knew the right thing was to quit. Yeah. <laughs> but you can only do that afterwards. So some of it is just, you know, after the fact, reality, distortion, whatever.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about two more employee-related things, then we'll move on, if you don't mind. Okay. When I read your book, Enchanted, there was one section that really stood out to me. Yeah. And I believe I understood your intent. Yeah. But I want to ask you, because I have this opportunity.
1: So on page 166... You you really expect me to remember what I wrote in Enchantment 10 years ago?
0: Uh, same concept. You probably live by it. Okay. I'm just referring for the reader. I mean, I,
1: I don't remember I, what I wrote yesterday.
0: Okay. So in your book, Enchanted, you put employee rule number one. Yeah. Make your boss look good. Yeah. And draft behind them. Yeah. Okay. I want to understand and I want to help the listeners understand. Yeah. I agree completely that yeah. our role is to help our boss succeed. Yeah help the whole organization succeed. Yeah. But this is where I wasn't clear. If your boss asks you to do something that detracts from the mission, that's like a waste of time or it's the wrong direction, do you just keep your mouth shut? Say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Or do you express your concerns? Then do it. Like, do you clear your chest or do you
1: just do it? Well, you see, this is why it's easier to be an author than to be the person actually doing this, because obviously that is a very complicated question. But
0: you're an intelligent guy.
1: Yeah, but that's why I know it's complicated. So, well, it obviously there's black and white, right? So if your boss asks you to do something clearly illegal and unethical, I don't think you should do it. There is no, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the rap. And Well, not even the rap, because you you don't think that there's going to be a rap.
0: Oh, ex- I know exactly. You just, the answer is no.
1: Yeah, the answer is no.
0: But if the boss asks you to, let's just make something up, like do something that makes no purpose for hitting the company's goals. Yeah, but it's and not it's illegal ar- or unethical. Not illegal or unethical, but not wise, not helpful, truly almost a waste of time. Do you do it? Uh, or do you, Or like, let me rephrase that. Would you say, hey, I have no problem doing that, but I think this might be a better use of my time? Or do you just
1: shut up and smile? I, I think, well, it depends on your relationship with the boss, but I, I think you should at least you know, say, are you sure about this? and And, you know, walk me through because... Listen, there are many times we thought Steve Jobs didn't know what the hell he was doing. I and, mean, you know, and come to find out he was right. So, you know, it, it also, I guess it depends on the track record of your boss. So if your boss is, you know, more wrong, more right than wrong, I say give him the benefit or give her the benefit of the doubt. But,
0: but you would express to Steve, hey, man, are you sure about that? You'd say something. Because when I read the book, it almost sounded like just don't say a word and do
1: it. Well... I mean, I I don't think I was writing for the case where, you know, where, let's go back to Kodak. So in 1975, some engineer invents digital photography at Kodak, okay? Kodak invented digital photography. So can you imagine he goes to his boss and says, hey, guess what? I figured out a way. People don't have to buy film. What does his boss say? Oh, hallelujah. Let's put ourselves out of business. Good idea. Yeah. Employee of the year, bro. So, you know, then what do you do when he says not strategic, not, not our business, not what we do, you know, not whatever, because with hindsight anyway, you could say, well, what a dumb decision, but you know. We, we only know about that one because it's a particularly great example, right? So for all we know, there were a thousand other dumb ideas that truly were dumb. And this is the thousandth and first and the only one that we can look back and say, wow, what a catastrophe. <sighs> so therein lies the complexity. I, I would hope. Well, so I don't know how to answer that because how do you a- know?
0: Yeah, I think it depends on the situation, but I wanted to make sure you didn't have a blanket answer where it's like under no circumstance say anything, just do what
1: he or she wants. Well, you know, certainly, again, we take legal and ethical off the table, right? Yes, yes, yes. You don't just, you know, you don't just do that. Um, But I think, you know, one of the subjects of my podcast is that the, the social environment truly influences what you're willing to do. So, you know, Phil Zimbardo sets up this experiment where some kids are students and some kids are guards and he has to end the thing because people are accepting their role too much, right? And, you know, you and I are saying, oh, God, if we were in that experiment, we would never be the guard and, you know, start browbeating the prisoners. And we're saying, yeah, and if we were the prisoners, we would never take that. We just walk out of that experiment. Well, you know, we say that now. But who knows, right? You don't really know what you're gonna do till you're in the situation, and that's the hard part. Because I, I, I can't say, well, God, you know, everybody at Kodak must have been stupid. Why didn't they embrace digital photography? Because mm-hmm. you know, and everybody at Remington Rand was stupid. Everybody at Smith Corona was stupid. Everybody at Wangwer Processor was stupid. Everybody at Atari was stupid. I mean, it's not true. So. And sometimes you agree,
0: timing's just off. Yeah. I remember working for Gateway. Uh, You remember Ted Waite? Yeah. They came out with a destination station. I don't know if you remember that. No, no. So the destination was basically a completely integrated multimedia solution, which we have in our hand now. Every home, every television, everything we do. But it was too early. And then you have Dell, where I remember going out there for some uh, consulting group and they hand me a phone that was smaller than my iPhone now. And when they handed it to me, me and the other advisory panel were like, this is way too big. Who's going to put put this in their their pocket? (laughs) And we didn't just think that way because the public rejected it, rejected it on large scale. It was a huge failure, but you wait two years and Apple, as always, they just do what Android did two years ago, and they're successful. And,
1: and, they, and they claim they're the pioneer, right?
0: Yeah, like MP3, but they came out with iTunes and white headphones, and it's cool. So anyways, do you think timing has a big part of everything?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, one thing I've learned in my life is it's better to be lucky than smart. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that.
0: That's a great truth. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of lucky than smart, what's one of the proudest accomplishments you have in life to date?
1: Probably the raising of my kids. I mean, not that yeah. they're perfect or anything, but, you know. Yeah, no. You know, listen, at the end of my life, I want to be remembered, you know, not as an evangelist or anything. like. That. I just want to remember the, as a great husband and father. If I got that, I'm happy. And... You know, cream on the on top would be, well, he empowered people with his writing, speaking, and podcasting. That would be cream.
0: That's awesome. It sounds like you're on your way to both. So <laughs> I hope. <laughs> the, I don't know if you want to answer this or not, but I'm going to ask it. You're human. You're a man. What are the struggles day-to-day that Guy Kawasaki has? Like, do you have a tendency to be lazy? Do you have a tendency to be short with people? Uh, What's something that you have to struggle with to conquer?
1: I wish I were more organized. (laughs) I mean, you know, I know what I should do as a a person, you know, wake up, what to do, how to prioritize. I suck. (laughs) I mean, I interviewed Margaret Atwood. She said, yeah, I suck, too. So uh, I suck in organization. I don't know. I'm getting less and less patient with people <laughs> because, you know, after a while, you, you just you just run out of patience, I think. And uh, oh boy, I wish I could surf better. So that's an area for improvement.
0: You're working on that though, right? Yeah,
1: that's not over yet.
0: Yeah, I'm impressed. You were playing hockey into your late 50s, early 60s. And then to take it easy, you start surfing? That's just not human.
1: Well, I don't know about the take it easy part, but, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I did. I started hockey at 44. I started surfing at 61. So let's just say that's not optimal.
0: <laughs> Heck no. Now, did you play ice hockey or street ice, hockey? Ice, ice. So you that is, as far as I'm concerned, that is one of the most difficult and talented athletes because you're not only skating forwards, backwards, sideways, you're not only passing a hard puck at a high velocity, but you have huge, strong men trying to take your head off.
1: Well, but that that's professional hockey, <laughs> not yeah, not recreational hockey. Okay, so they weren't trying to kill you? But uh, not on purpose. But I will tell you something, though. For someone who's played hockey and surf, surfing is harder. Really? Yeah, because surfing... You know, with hockey, you have, yeah, you know, the ice is the ice, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe there's some snow someplace or there's a crack someplace or something like that. But it's not like the ocean. The ocean, every wave is different. And, you know, the ocean... I, this is kind of harsh, but the ocean is trying to kill you. I mean, it's. It, I mean, it's not doesn't have a mental state of trying to kill you, but the ocean can kill you. It's not like the ice is rising up, and you know, you never heard of anybody saying, "Wow, there was a sixty-foot, you know, hunk of ice coming after me." Yeah, um, yeah. So, on the other hand, falling on ice is more painful than falling on the water except if there's a reef beneath it. But anyway, so I think there are many more variables in surfing than there are in hockey. So I think surfing is a harder sport than hockey.
0: And you're thoroughly enjoying it with your kids. Yes,
1: yes, very much so.
0: That's awesome, guy. Well, I have several more questions. Yeah, but I'm running out of wisdom, so hurry up. No, man, I'm gonna, I don't want to do that to you. <laughs> I appreciate your time <laughs> today. But I do want to ask a couple more final closing questions. Okay. I love MMA. I love jujitsu and fighting. And there's a show on ESPN called Detail. And Daniel Cormier has the ability to not only fight, but to commentate, to coach. So he has that where he can watch a fight and break it down. What other people are doing after years of muscle memory and habit, he breaks down how they did it step by step. And in business and in life, there's so many things you do that are just habitual and natural at this point. Yeah. But for those of us wanting to aspire to that level and that communication style, just your smile alone. <laughs> how the hell do you do it?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just a happy guy.
0: Have you always been that way? Have you always just been real easygoing, big smile? Well,
1: but you know, you, you 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 think I'm easygoing, but people have to be careful about characterizing someone as easygoing because easygoing does not mean I don't deliver and it does not mean I don't work my ass off and it does not mean that, you know, if you cross me, I will. <laughs> I mean, there's – I'm not just happy-go-lucky. Mm -hmm. I am intense and I can, the secret to my success is I'm willing to work harder than almost anybody I know. And uh, I don't consider myself a natural or anything like that. And it's true of whether it's hockey or surfing. uh, The reason why I have accomplished anything in those two sports is because I work harder at it. Not because, you know, I was born with it. And so... Uh, there's some advice there in life that is, uh, going back to hiring people, it's that if you had two, if you had a choice between s- the so-called natural and the so-called person who just worked their ass off, pick the person who worked their ass off.
0: Agree 100%. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are disillusioned. They think they just get the opportunity and then everything falls in their lap. Yeah. You got the opportunity, but, but you, you worked your, your ass, ass off and yeah. kept going. Yeah. So that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Well, in honor of this episode, yeah, yeah, and the wisdom yeah. you shared with us. Are you by a computer where you can check your email? Ah, uh, yeah. I just sent you an email, and as a thank you, and hopefully, and an honor to you, I created a custom cover for this episode.
1: <laughs> okay, I haven't so gotten it yet. yet.
0: Okay, well, we'll let it refresh. I know you're using a Mac. Oh,
1: well. Okay, I just got it. (laughs) That's hilarious. I wish I was that skinny too. (laughs) Hey man, (laughs) hey man. Just, just for the
0: listeners, you can check it out on your Apple or Buzzsprout or any Google podcast. (laughs) We got the remarkable special. And just so you know, we're going to produce 223 of these shirts. You get the first (laughs) one. And that's it. And they're nineteen dollars and fifty four cents. The year you were born.
1: Oh, so that's, that's a, hilarious! It's a
0: collector's edition, uh, collector's edition shirt or mug. Wow, thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I hope you like that. It was meant to honor you, but uh, oh, hopefully, yeah. we, hopefully we hit the mark.
1: <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, right. this is a this is a very unusual relationship we have because you know you could easily be upset with me i could be upset with you You know who knows right but here we are and you know what the bottom line is the rising tide floats all boats and it's not like i'm trying to steal something from you or you're trying to steal something from me it's just you know there's plenty of room for both of us
0: absolutely my goal and i think yours is to help people and we can do that together with 7, 8 billion people in the world. Yeah. We need to stand together. Yep, yep. So that's it, my friend. I appreciate you very much. I got to ask you that last question, though. Oh, what's the who last would, qu- Who would Guy Kawasaki wait in line to meet?
1: Oh. Well, I recently waited in line to meet Michelle Obama. Um, oh, okay. You know, this presumes I haven't met them yet, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you could say somebody you want to meet. I got my list.
1: The person has to be alive. Um,
0: that would be creepy if it wasn't.
1: <laughs> I would say Elizabeth Warren, but I don't want to shake you up. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Why, why Elizabeth Warren? Well, I just, I just love her intellectual processing ability. And, you know, I know she wants to break up tech and all that, but uh, I find her very interesting. Hey, that's a valid answer. Well, let's see, I'm trying, I'm going through sports, let's see, Kelly Slater in surfing maybe, well, I'm going to give you a good answer, I got to, geez, you know, like a lot of people I would stand in line to meet, I have met, like Richard Branson, Ariana Huffington, Martha, you know, Martha Stewart, how about Angela Merkel?
0: Angela Merkel, and what is Angela Merkel's claim to fame?
1: Well, she's the Chancellor of Germany.
0: Okay, forgive my ignorance. I
1: would wait in line to meet her.
0: Okay, well, it has been a pleasure to have you on, Guy. Thank you you for being here today. Pleasure being here.
1: Let's both get to about 2 million subscribers on our podcast.
0: Amen to that. (laughs) We'll go back and
1: forth. (laughs) Okay. Have a great one, Guy. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: And to you as our listener, thanks for being here today. I truly hope this Christmas special with the wise Guy Kawasaki brought you not only entertainment, but content and value that you can apply to your life. And if you liked what you heard, please take a minute to rate and review the podcast on Apple, Google, or your favorite podcast directory. You can also share it with your friends and family via social media, email, or however you see fit. The more we reach, the more we help, and the better it is for all of us. So thanks again for listening to this episode of the Remarkable People Podcast, Season 1, Episode 8, the Christmas special. And don't forget to check out the show notes where you can find links to Guy's website, my website, our sponsor's websites, and a whole lot more. Thanks again for being here today. We love you. Now go take this information and do something with it for life. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. remarkable people podcast. Listen, do
1: repeat for life.